Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast, Season 2. With your host, Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the Executive Protection Practitioner, the Private Security Professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective Executive Protection Agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect her children or a father that's focused on how how to protect his family. I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. And those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time, you already know what I'm saying is true. So if that sounds interesting to you, Enjoy the show. Out. Boom. What's up, you guys? Byron Rogers here with another episode of the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. And I've got an awesome guest today, someone I've been meaning to get on the show for like almost a year, it feels like. And uh, so I'm excited to finally get to execute on that. Chris, stories here with me. How you doing, brother? I'm good, Byron. I, I got boomed. I kind of, you know, talking <laughs> there. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's good to finally catch up. Uh, uh, I, it was funny. I, I think we chased you for our podcast, and then, and then you know, scheduling thing. And it, I think it was a year. Twenty twenty kind of flew by in a flash. Yeah, twenty twenty's been moving. Twenty twenty's had us all busy, man. You know, it's been crazy. I um, there's so many like awesome people in our industry that I am meaning to circle back around and get you know, not even circle back around, just get an interview with and spend some time with and, right. and stuff like that. I was worried when I started this project to like, well, geez, I mean, I'll probably run out of folks to interview, you know, yeah. pretty quickly. A couple of people mentioned that to me, but it has not been the case. So. Dude, there's, there's, there's no shortage of awesome people in the, in, in the industry to interview, whether they're just entering it or whether they've been here for a while or, or whatever the case is. I mean, we've had the same issue, right? You're like, yeah. Hey, I want to talk to you. And then they have, you, you go through whatever your interview is. And then you, then they have, like phenom, just more stories, and you're like, we got to circle back. But then you find, you know, there's there's a hundred other people with with awesome stories as well. It's it's really hard to yeah. determine like who you're gonna talk to. You know? Yeah, heck yeah, man, heck yeah. And then you know, doing it and working. So it's been good, man. It's been an awesome project, and I'm so I was really glad to see you guys start your podcast, conversations and close protection as well, man. I like the more information and the more good stuff we can get out. I think it just solidifies our industry. It helps define our industry. It just does sure. nothing but good stuff. Gets information out for people to be better at what we do. Yeah. Um, I was really excited to see that, man. That's good stuff. Well, the cool thing is that I know we've had some of the same guests, right? But yeah. we don't go over the same questions Content. because, yeah, it's. I mean, you have a different perspective. We have different perspectives. And the guests get to speak to the close protection community. And everybody learns, right? I mean, even... Yeah. Even those folks learn or, or they remember, right? You know, man, I haven't talked about my the beginning of my career, the close protection force of my career in so long. And, you know, it becomes nostalgic. So uh, yeah, we man. all we all learn from it. So I'm glad. And, and there's plenty of space in the industry for everybody for a podcast. So I, I know there's some other yeah. folks in the industry are doing podcasts as well. Yeah, man. It's been good to see them like popping up, man. And I, the rising tide lifts all ships that are at sea, man. So get your boat out to sea, you know, <laughs> you guys, if you're thinking about getting a podcast, you're thinking about, you know, it's, it's, I think it's less about like becoming Joe Rogan and just more about contributing to people, you know, right. wherever they're at. Yeah. I mean, so. we really focus. So first off, uh, yeah, thank man. you. Uh, 
Thank you, Captain Positivity. Right, and that's, that's one of the. You're always aside from throwing aside from throwing punches at the camera. You're always, you're always super positive. You're always super positive. So that's uh, that's awesome. And then uh, you know, there's just there's just a lot of like a lot of space, a lot of a lot of opportunity, and and everybody thinks about you know communicating about different different items or things or people in the industry. And and I think it uh, like you said, you're right. It helps professionalize all of us. Heck yeah, awesome. So with no further ado. Do you be better at it than me? Why don't you give us a little kind of um, background? You know what you've done, where you come from, all that stuff. Right. You know? it's, it's the whole like, hey, bro, what's your background? <laughs> I know is. they want you know they all want to there know, so I have yeah. to ask the question, it's, even it's though it's my, always fun. <laughs> dude, it's, it's like the least favorite thing that, right? that I like to talk about is me. You know, I used to lead off. I used to uh, instruct at a couple places, and I I get yelled at because I'd be like, "Hey, can you introduce yourself?" Like, "Yeah, my name's Chris." All right, let's get to the firing line. (laughs) You know, and he's like, "Look, dude, you got to give a little relevance." And I'm like, "Well, they'll learn that when I when we get on the range." You know. So, anyways, uh, my name is Chris Story. Uh, I've been in the industry for for a long time, as you can see from the from the gray okay, and that's yeah. a lot of that is from the industry but uh i got my i got my background i, I first started in the military as in the army as a counterintelligence agent so i have a great appreciation for um lo- big picture and how do i fit into the big picture and i have a great appreciation for using intelligence to support uh any operations whether ep or business i transitioned out of that into uh well as a counterintelligence agent i went to the range regiment you know counterintelligence supposed to be uh plain clothes and super sneaky you know, sneaking or what is it? Peek and, snooping sneak, and sneaky peek, snooping and pooping. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did that for a little bit. And then I just, I, I kind of spent the rest of my career as a tactical uh, guy. So I still in intelligence. Uh, so counterintelligence was at the range regiment and then left that uh, went to uh 519th MI, which is a famous uh, military intelligence battalion. And then I went to uh, uh, F company 51st uh, long range surveillance. I was an ATL and a TL there. And then, 10th mountain. And then as I was getting out of the army, I initially wanted to be in the secret service and I didn't really have the education or the, uh, and my eyesight disqualified me from that. So, uh, a guy by the name of Ron Ralph, uh, he was kind of mentoring me at the time. And he said, Hey, if you want to get into protection, there's this thing, there's this thing called executive protection. You don't have to go, you don't have to be in the secret service. I was like, wow, that sounds awesome. How do I do that? And, uh, so I ended up pursuing a civilian school and I went to, uh, I, I took leave and, and did a school with uh, Pete Dordal, a company called Potomac Group and Associates way, way back. That company has been bought out several times. Anyways, uh, I ended up doing that course and I, I really never looked back. I, I probably got my first job or role in EP about eight months later. Um, at the same time, I was looking to be, be in law enforcement. And I said, well, I'll go make some money on this, uh, on this EP thing. And then I'll come back and go through the academy. And that never happened. Yeah. That never happened. So I just kind of continued to do executive protection uh, until 9-11, went back in the guard, did some force protection stuff. And then I tried to uh, try to go to what I thought was the Super Bowl of protection, which was uh, high risk. And so I worked for, I did a non-state contract then I did a state contract. Then I went back to Blackwater as, a, as a, an executive protection, uh, high risk and firearms and tactics instructor. And then I went back and deployed with state department and then went 
to a different program and then started seeing the writing on the wall that I, I couldn't, you know, I could continue to run and gun with some young folks, but I didn't really want to. <laughs> so I finished my education and started looking at the corporate space. So I went to, uh, did, did a lot of corporate consulting. And that was my, I think that was my, my home. I, I found my home when I first started, because it was a mix of EP and corporate consulting, like teaching people, uh, you know, basic security SOPs, basic security procedures. And I, and I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed going into organization and then helping, you know, basically you get to leave it better than you found it. Right. Okay. Uh, so I did that for a bit. Uh, I did that for a bit when I, when I stopped contracting and then, uh, then I got into the corporate space, did corporate security for a little bit, and then went back to contracting. Uh, uh, really contracting, consulting is probably a better better term. And that's, okay. I consider myself a security consultant now. And I work for a couple of different companies as kind of a drop-in security consultant. Nice. Yeah. And I teach EP Heck and yeah. CoFro and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Heck yeah. Trying to keep up, Iron. Dude, I got to stay busy. awesome, man. How many years does it take you to do all that trash? Like, what was that? Like 30 years? What is that? Like 25 uh, years? Yeah, I spent, uh, what I spent, like just under 14 years in the military. And then the rest of it was, uh, so I started, yeah, Probably. it's almost been 20 plus years, man. 20 years, 20 years in the private sector with a two-year yeah. two break for uh, for uh, law enforcement. I mean, excuse That's... me, force protection. Yeah. Not in law enforcement. Not in law enforcement. Not in law enforcement. <laughs> yeah, man, dude, you've been moving. That's what's up. That's awesome. You've gotten mm -hmm. far, man. That's it's an honor to be able to talk with you. Uh, well, I'll get into those other questions in a second, but uh, man, that's a lot of stuff. There's all kinds of stuff I'm asking. Who would okay. you say? <laughs> who would you okay. say? Go. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Who are you at your core, though? So, the bottom of the iceberg. Right that's, there, that that, on. that's a deep question. The center of it. Deep. Wow, you went deep real quick. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I would say, who am I, my core? Uh, good question. I, I would say initially, I'm. Uh, I, I try to be humble, and I try to be competent. Thank you. Uh, I, I would say uh, those two things, uh, because we're always learning, right? Mm -hmm. Re regardless of whatever we say, and and we can learn from everybody around us, and so. Um, I, I think at the, at the core, I try to do that. And then, then that would be the professional side. And then on the personal side, I would say, uh, this may or may not answer the question, but I've been called a lot of cool things, right? Ranger, you know, acronyms for crazy stuff, you know, you know, state Blackwater, blah, blah, blah. Right. But, um, by far my, yeah. my most, uh, popular and favorite thing is uh, dad, right? That's my favorite label. So, so I think, uh, you know, those three, three items would kind of, I would ima imagine, at least in my, from my perspective, uh, uh, that's who I'm in my core. Heck yeah, man. Competent, humble dad. <laughs> that's awesome, right. man. It's, <laughs> it, that's just good stuff, man. That's, that's what this, that's, I love the humble and competent stuff as well. We know the dad is like the most amazing thing ever. Like, I don't even think if you haven't experienced that, you just can't understand it. Right. Uh, you just will someday, hopefully. Uh, and the, um, the competence and humility, it's a very interesting thing to me because I find like being a stronger person or being a more competent person, um, it's a double-edged sword. You have to be, I, I, at least for me, I have to be very deliberate at making sure and ensuring that I'm very aware of uh, my humility at the same time. So it's awesome that you kind of like fuse those two together because, you know, 
I think they walk hand in hand. Well, so I, I agree, right? Because if you're competent, right. you can be seen by others as being conf- competence breeds confidence, right. right? Which can seem as if you're arrogant. You know, right. I don't know if you see my facial expression, but they're not yeah. like yours. Like I smile, hey, mm-hmm. and and it you know it doesn't maybe I got to be really smiling to make people feel comfortable, right? So <laughs> at that point, I have to like. Yeah. Like, no, like, I remember yeah. when I first seen you at the uh, Close Protection Conference, you walked in the room. Uh, we were uh, about to do the shooting competition. You were like, yo, it smells like cargo pants in here. And I was like, ha! <laughs> but you yeah. have a serious aura to you, right? Because you're a capable looking human, right. you're a strong looking dude. Right. I was like, I can respect this guy off the bat. As long as he's not a douchebag, I think we'll be cool. <laughs> well, my, so, so it's funny. My, my friend, uh, uh, Josh Burmeister will say, he, he goes, yeah. dude, he goes, he goes, the thing with you is that, is that you've got a dry sense of humor and you're not like super expressive. So when you say, when you say, you know, I, I love my children and I like cookies in the same, you yeah. know, in the same sentence, like, like people don't really sh- know where you're at. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so you gotta be like, I love my children. I like cookies. <laughs> Very funny. Awesome. Uh, that's funny. Um, so come on, man, you promised me you wouldn't flex on me. Come on. <laughs> no, we were, um, yeah, man. So that's good stuff, man. I, I I totally dig the connection that you made there. What would you say is your mission these days, you know, as you're doing what you're doing, man? Like, what's like the, where's the trajectory of it all gone? Well, so I would say for the most part, the mission has been uh, education, right? Okay. And that's what we do. That's what, that's what we really do with, uh, and professionalism or professionalization. So I would say, and this is kind of personal and business mm-hmm. essentially for, for the industry, which would be uh, education through the, through our, our uh, podcast, right. Conversation, close protection uh, education through the uh, international protective security board and being a member on the board. Um, and then education, because, you know, I don't want to be an instructor, but I tend to say, you know, I, I happen to, you know, it's like the mafia, right. They yeah. bring me back in, they bring me back yeah. in. Right. And, and I think, I think that's a, that's a funny way, but it's a cop out, really, is that because if, you know, they, I get a decision in the day, right? So, you know, I enjoy, from my perspective, giving people who want to be in the industry, the best possible education and the best possible start that they can possibly have so they can be successful, right? Because okay. for too long, the industry has been like, oh, you don't know anything? Well, you're a turd. Well, how, they, yeah, exactly. how is somebody supposed to find something out if we don't teach them, right? right. So, you know, the rest of it is up to, up to you. But if, if I can give you the best tools that I can possibly give you to be successful, then, you know, you're the next generation. If you, not you personally, but, you know, you, yeah. you as uh, students, That's they're right. the next generation. If we don't set them up for success, then, then it's our, our, our failure, not theirs. Okay. Okay. No, I agree 100%. It's the reason I started this podcast. It's the reason yeah. I do the stuff I'm doing with my school. It's like, there was just nothing out there. There was, it was like the wild west, you know, <laughs> you know, even right. more so before I started, but even when I got started in 08, I was like, where do we even find information or do anything? Mm. Or, you know, and then you had, and then various levels of competency you see out in the field and you still see it, you know, some details are like a pickup game of basketball, you know, like right, guys right. respond to an email and converge and try to accomplish a mission is like man how can we get information to everyone so that we can operate at a level that we can we can uh, be respected like other professions you know like accountants and lawyers and even you know cops back when they used to be respected and things like that yeah. <laughs> you know before the media attacked. absolutely 
Absolutely. I mean, that's why that's why Chuck and I created Conversations Close mm-hmm. Protection is because for the most part, there there is and has been a lot of entry or tactical level information, right? But where I think a lot of folks are are essentially lacking is what's that next level look like, right? Where do we, how do we correct, connect operational level? How do we connect, you know, the leadership piece? How do we, how do you become a team leader? What should you be thinking about? How do you become a detail leader? How do you become an operations director? And, and so and when you get there, like, what do you do? Like, right. right. <laughs> so, you know, you guys have probably heard, or, you know, any of your listeners that, that happen to listen to us have heard me talk about, you know, John Wick, right? We celebrate these, you know, going to the range as, as the be all end all, but, you know, last time I checked, nobody's stacking bodies, right? So, uh, and that really isn't part of the job description. So yeah. how do we, what else do we focus on? Now, some folks, when you get in the industry, that's what it's all about. But after you've kind of worked that through your system, you want to maybe learn or, or learn from other people's perspective. And, and really what, what we do in our podcast is we bring that perspective from senior people in the industry and even from, from newer folks in the industry as we've done a, a new practitioner series so that they can give their perspective so other people can learn from that. I mean, our podcast really isn't about us. It's really about those people that we, t- that we talk to, you know? And it's so fun. we really try to celebrate those folks who are, who are doing great things in the industry yeah. and making an impact and, and, and maybe aren't really heard of, you know? Yeah. No, I find that, that, that that's one of the things I love too is like, because someone said that I was like a self-proclaimed industry leader or something. And I'm sitting there like, hey man, I got a podcast. Where I elevate other people that are doing great in the industry. That's right. what I do. It's right. like, I'm like kind of trying to like, I'm fading into the background. I'm like, yo, let's check out this awesome dude who's like killing right. it. We can learn trash from him. Right. You know, like come to the event where you'll learn from all these awesome dudes that have done amaminger things and not amazinger. 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 <laughs> amazinger things. That's I've a word. Done, you know That's mean? a word. Right. It is yeah. now, you know. <laughs> so I uh I was like, look, man, I'm um it's kind of the beauty of the whole, the whole thing is being able to elevate those. Cause I've only been in this industry for what, since 2008, we're going on a couple of years past 10. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm young, man. I'm still getting my orientation. You know, I'm mm-hmm. still learning how to move up in certain areas and doing the owner operator thing with my business and yeah, you know, uh, all the stuff that comes with that. Yeah. So it's, it's an honor to even be able to have these conversations with some of these dudes. Right. I agree. Well, I mean, so <laughs> part of our problem as an industry is that we're super judgy, right? right. And, <laughs> That's real. You know, there's something about, I think about glass houses and throwing stones and whatever. And, and it, it's really a, a clash of thought processes because right. unless you take risks, you're, you're not going to make a mistake. Right? right. And then sometimes like people don't, people don't intend to make mistakes. Right? right. That's why they call them mistakes. Right. It's one thing if you just kind of go off the deep end, but we'll judge immediately off a headline, right? And it's easy as a keyboard commander to do that, but you got to understand context. And I think having been on the receiving end of some of those judgments at times and, and holding myself to a high standard of accountability, uh, yeah. that can kind of wear on you, right? A little bit. So yeah, that you, yeah. you kind of be resilient and focus on that and then work through those challenges and, and then continue to execute. The other thing is, is that if, if I was in contact with you you know, six years ago. So yeah. you're, you're in the industry for four years. And I, mm-hmm. we, we tend as humans to, to remember where you were back then and not, rem, not think that you've grown since then at all and go, oh, he didn't know anything back then. 
Right. What could he know? Right. How could he know anything now? Well, 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 it's been six years. Like, hopefully we, hopefully we've <laughs> hopefully, grown, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some people, some people don't. Right. But, yeah. but for the most part, most people do. And uh, I was talking to uh, uh, Will Gettis yesterday from the UK and, and uh, from ICP. And he's saying, he's mm. saying the same things like, golly, we are super judgy, you know, yeah, like man. you just hope that it, it gets accepted. But at the end of the day, it, you know, you can't, what does Rogan say? Never read the comments. Right. No, just that's real. just he put it that. out right he goes yeah, man, never read the funny. comments man you never read the comments yeah. you know you never i honestly yeah. don't there's certain topics i'll circle back around and like stack bodies on like when i like post something that's like a black man can be anything he wants to be in life and like all the other black people like <laughs> i have to get the fire fights with black right. people for like a week right i'll come right. back around on one of those posts um but like generally yeah man i, I do stay away from the comments it's funny he says that yeah. Um, and things get taken out of context a lot, you know, like, a lot, yeah. right? Cause I you had, don't, a, nobody has, nobody has the full, full picture. You full just hear, story. and then it just goes like wildfire, you know, it's oh, just yeah, crazy. Man. and people eat it up. But then, you know, the, I think the truth seekers and the people that are more realistic, my, like just people that have a more mature mindset kind of see through it, you know, like someone took a snapshot right. of me posting a picture, like a, just a, like a complete fantasy, cool guy photo of me using gear that, I use in different aspects of life, but like mostly just things I'm sponsored for here, right? Like nothing to do with EP, nothing in the post to do with EP, just me being tactical, cool guy, right? motivational uh, article. You got a long gun and you're on a surfboard and you're- Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm riding on a panda, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the, the dude's like, you know, do, do you guys do any of this in EP? And I'm like, bro, you, you, cl you cut off the whole article. Like it's just, <laughs> and right. they were just stabbing right. me to death in that group. Right. And I came in there and said some things, but I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, you just got to keep moving and you keep making moves and uh, you keep moving forward. Well, the other thing is, is that at the end of the day, if you were, whatever your article is about, like it's, it's yeah. hard to, it's hard to uh, capture leadership in a photo, right? In an action photo, right? I mean, yeah. And, and I think you've done a good job at, at balancing the fantasy, right? Yeah. Which is, hey, no shit, there I was knee deep in freaking, you know, name your, you know, your, your, you know, nine millimeter War shells zone. and 454 yeah, yeah. Casul, right? Grenade Downtown pins. Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think you've, you've, you do a great job at kind of blending the, the cool with mm -hmm. the with the kind of the realistic sure. and hey here's my thing here's me jocked up in a suit coming out of a coming out of a you know g6 yeah and he's like that's badass but then you kind of right. go deeper into it and say and you don't really refer to that but that's the yeah. that's the hook essentially right right, right, right. And, and people who don't get it are like man i need to get on that detail you're like no, you, don't get it. You, don't, you don't get it bro yeah, it's like no that's that not, ain't yeah, the detail yeah, yeah. <laughs> that ain't the detail man yeah that's hilarious yeah. that's a great understanding i appreciate that yeah like, yeah yeah. Hey, so, I'll be honest with you. I hate it too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm like, there, there's Byron. He's, he's got his, he's got his photos. <laughs> he's really it. good at it. Right. And why do I hate it? Because, because I, that's not me and I'm not good at that. Right. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan hater. I love, <laughs> I love that you like, just like, straight like, up. like, like I, I appreciate it. Right. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. that, you know, I'm like, God, <laughs> like, like between, awesome. between you and Aaron, I'm like, God, I yeah. wish I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron does it good, man. Yeah. Aaron has this like kind of like seedy, like high yeah. speed, like yeah. way of being cool, like cartoonish. And then this, this everywhere, this. <laughs> with the, the with the little the, eyes. The, yeah. Oh yeah, the oh sorry, I went too deep. Sorry, yeah, the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Like, that's who him, even right? does that? Like who comes up with that type of stuff? 
Yep. No, yep. Good, dude. No, awesome. both both of you guys have, have done a really good job with uh, marketing and branding and Thanks. and kind of and differentiation, you know. And um, and I think a couple things, mm. like I said, like I've said on, on our podcast with you and and, and with with uh, uh, when, and I didn't say this, I didn't say it directly, right? But mm -hmm. I think both you and Aaron make the industry cool, right? And I think I think that's what it needs. Right. Because yeah. if not, it's a bunch of dudes with suits and their sticks up their ass freaking standing like this. Right. Right. With Oakley's on and, and G-Shocks. Right. Right. <laughs> and, right. Right. And, and that's I mean, I don't know. That might have been cool in the 70s or the 80s right. or the 90s, but but that's not cool now. And especially with what we have. So, you know, I, I think that both of you have done a lot for the industry to get new people in. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to uh, Christian the other day and he was saying how uh, many folks you get to your seminars. Right. And he yeah. said, I was, I was looking around and he goes, I didn't know any of these people. Right? He knew a handful, but for the most part, <clears> like he had, you know, a couple hundred people here. This was last year. Yeah. I didn't know any of them. And I'm like, yeah. to me, that's super important because we've got all these camps all over the place, right? How do we Tribes. connect? Right. But how do we connect them under, you know, one umbrella so that Everybody gets to go, hey, here's here. I learned this from Byron and I can go to Aaron and now we can go to Chris and Chuck and now we can go to, you know, name your your physical, uh, you know, in-person instructors. What does that look like? Right. So yeah. that's you asked about the mission, like the mission to me is how do we get all of those people under one umbrella? And then yep. and it pans out globally, you know, because yeah. I think there's a as you said and we talked about before. There's so many fantastic people in this industry doing fantastic things. Amazing. There's no, there's no reason that we shouldn't professionalize. Heck yeah. 100%. That's good stuff, man. Yo, so this high risk uh, protection that you did for a while, I know everybody's curious. I know there's people that are curious about it. What would you say about that experience? What kind of differences did you notice, you know, around that and executive protection via versus corporate protection and stuff like that? Okay. Young yeah. Man, you know, what, you say so, so, so yes, I, I would say on some level, it is a young, young person's game just because, mm -hmm. um, it's very physical and, and young is relative, right? Like right. I think I, I got out of it when I was, uh, 42 or so. Yeah. 42. So, you know, but, but again, as you look around, you're like, wow, there's a lot of young guys here. Right. Yeah. And, ha and they do incredible jobs. Like one of the things, um, that we that I did when I was there, I, I was uh, the deputy project manager for operations. So what that means is that I was managed operations for all of our details that were in, in Baghdad and uh, or oversaw all the operations right for Baghdad and the other areas. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, so it was like 1200 people, right? Uh, 35 protective teams, including Ooh. cat teams and counter assault teams, tactical support teams and PSD teams and low profile teams. That sounds Black awesome. Water. That's dun, right, dun, Blackwater, dun. right? The 800-pound gorilla. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you. And and, anyway. and 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 apparently uh, it's coming back, right? Blackwater's Blackwater's really? back, right? Yeah. So, I mean, they're you know building Another firearms selling and bullets some other and things. Yeah, yeah, they're doing some things. But anyways, one of the things that that I really learned over there was we we had young people, twenty three, twenty four, twenty six, and 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 older, of course, but that were responsible for fifteen person teams, right? for the lives of people to include their teams, right? To move uh, people from point A to point B, set static security, wait for them to complete their mission and then return, return mm -hmm. them safely to home with zero losses, right? Of principles. 
and, and at, at a high cost of lives for, for those contractors, right? But you had kids that were, or, or young men and women, 20, you know, in their t- early 20s, executing these missions, right? And making decisions on the ground. And, and they were not like officers, as, as you might expect, but a lot of former enlisted saying, hey, here's my job, here's my role, I understand it, I'm prof- you know, and pr- professionals. And we learned that we needed to celebrate that level of leadership specifically because as you look at it, it was a, just a fantastic uh, level of responsibility, right? And, and, and for some time, you're like, oh, here's your $15 a day extra, right? Which is nothing for what you're responsible for. So right. celebrating that level of leadership and celebrating their, their expertise, you know? And I think that was one of the biggest things that I learned over there. Um, the second thing was, uh, was, were the stakes, Right. So like, like I, like I led with uh, early on in my intro was for me, it was the Super Bowl of protection. Right. So the difference between practicing on theory and then actually applying, <laughs> applying theory and seeing if it, if it works or not, because you learn very, very quickly what, what works and what doesn't. Right. Right. Um, so it's a Super Bowl because you're in, you're in an environment where people are actively trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. you know? uh, and, and in that case, it wasn't really more. It wasn't really specific threat. Like nobody's like, hey, if we go here, our principal is targeted by these people specifically. You just know that it's a three-car motorcade or four-car motorcade, you know, likely it's going to be US. So hit it, you know? Right. And that's a that's a pretty interesting and challenging environment. And one of the most important things that we did because of that was yeah, uh, at least my mission there was to send people home on leave. Right. Mm -hmm. So not fire them, but but hey get through your deployment, make sure you, you're professional, make sure you're trained, make sure your teams are trained. Cause the most important thing we do is send you home, back home to be with your family. So Thank you can you. come back and, and do your, do your job again. So I really enjoyed those things, taking care of people, focus on leadership. And those are the biggest things that I learned, learned out of, uh, out of that role. Heck yeah. What about the high risk, the counter Intel role you played in that just understanding that way of life. Is there anything that you, utilize today any big takeaways from that or anything that you would um maybe pass on to protectors things they could should or shouldn't do or perspectives from that time yeah absolutely i I think again my my focus on intelligence supporting operations that's Mm -hmm. what i learned out of that and i think what is the big picture so i so as a lot of our folks probably come out of the infantry or squad level or team level right you know that's where a lot of folks come out of when you look at your your overall mission you probably see at the platoon level maybe the company level right from my perspective i got to see what the battalion's going to do or what the regiment's going to do and what that mission is and that helped me even as a team leader a squad leader or a ci guy focus on what my overall what role was within that right because for me that's a that's too it's like walking around like this versus pulling it out so you can really see how you, you know, what impacts you and the value of intelligence and operations. And I think if people start to learn that, um, their world opens up and, and they real, they don't have to run into a wall like this all the time that you can kind of see things coming at you. And then you see the, the support elements that can help you as well. Awesome. So just getting that overall hundred foot view and being able to understand that, communicate that to all the guys down on the ground so that they mm-hmm. can do their, their smaller pieces within that mission set. Essentially. Right. So if everybody knows what yeah. the, what the big overall mission is, then yeah. we know 
you know, then we know overall they can execute with what our job is. Exactly. And uh, it's, it's basically we need to know what can hurt us and what can help us on, on a larger scale. Yeah. And then they can make decisions. Like I always Absolutely. talk about with my team, you know, you know, the guys start asking, can I do this? Can I do that? I'm like, look, man, I need to make you a decision maker, you know? So like, I'm going to arm you with my intent, with the direction you need to go. You're going to make mistakes, but I'd rather have to rein in a stallion, the kick a mule in the, you know, behind, you know? So where Absolutely. that's kind of, and that's, Absolutely. you know, arming them with that information helps them be able to execute. Yeah, I would say that the next the next piece would be is is the is planning, right? Okay. So, being a being a, a LURS team leader, you're you have to you plan a let's say a five day mission, right? And you've got to memorize it, you know. And you you setting up your courses of action, and you're you're you know you understand your plan planning in each phase, and yeah. you realize that you know a lot of people say, oh, no plan survives the first contact, and mm. you know. All, all these kind of crazy excuses to not have a plan. Yeah, I was like, and, maybe that's a cop out sometimes. Maybe, right, I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, so, so, so it's true. No plan survives the first contact because why? Because the enemy gets a vote. However, comma, the reason that we still continue to plan is that we're always trying to get back to the base or at least the spine of the plan because that's what we've told our support elements we're going to do. So if we have a different plan and we go, we tell everybody we're going right, but we go left everybody's looking for us on the right, right? So if we can't communicate that, we can't communicate that we've gone left, everybody continues to look for us on the right along those, along that path of the, that, you know, primary, alternate, right, right, the pace, right? So those four yeah. levels of, of uh, or layers of, of planning. So that's where we need to get back to, right? And if we can't do that, then we're lost. So the plan is for us to get back to at least, or at least have, you know, primary, alternate, contingent emergency plans so that if we go left, Hey, if we're not on the right, then we're going to be on the left. So look for mm -hmm. us there. Right. So that's why planning becomes important. Okay. hundred percent. Have a plan, man. Yeah. Um, and have a plan to communicate when that plan changes and stuff. <laughs> you know? Super um, helpful. Super helpful. Super. Uh, what, uh, what would you say about uh, Cove Pro, man? I know that's kind of one of the sexy things that a lot of guys have been trying to wrap their mind around. Are there any misconceptions or things people need to know about Cove Pro since you'd be teaching it? Yeah, I'd, I'd be teaching it. So right, I've, right, right. I've taught it for, um, so I, I've done it. And then I've taught it uh, for Enable and Advisors uh, for a couple of years now. Um, I'd say the biggest misconception and the, the biggest challenge that people have with it is that, am I doing protection or am I doing surveillance, right? Once people realize that they're not doing surveillance, that they're doing protection, it's a protective role. Uh, you're not kind of standing back and like watching what happens with their principal, but you're there to have a positive impact on a negative interaction. I think that's what people are able to kind of like go, oh, cool. I'm doing my protective role, but there's a couple things that I don't need to do. I'm not really focusing a whole lot on service for the, for the principal, at least direct, right? Let me get your door for you, sir. You know, let me get this, or let me get that, or let me get you a table, right? Those things, because that defeats the purpose of being covert. Um, but you find that it, it's a, it's a, huge force multiplier for uh, some protective teams. And it, and it provides a level of comfort for clients that really don't want to see security, i.e. that face, right? You know, hang on that neck right there, right? The thick neck, right? The whole thing, yeah. right? So the guy who looks like security. Yeah. And I think that the one of the, the misconceptions, exactly, right? <laughs> the, one of the misconceptions is that you're hiding from your client. 
right? Which you're not. Mm. You're hiding your purpose, not necessarily your presence, because it'd be kind of hard for you and I to hide our presence, right? We have to be in the trash cans or something, right? So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, literally. <laughs> so, so those three concepts are really, really what you know. It's it's uh, security, not surveillance. You're you're you have to be close enough to to provide a, a positive impact uh, to a negative interaction, and you're hiding your purpose, not your presence. If people were to understand those three things, um, you're, you're able to effectively um, conduct uh, uh, covert protection. Uh, one of the other misconceptions is I can just, you know, if I, if I have to wear a suit every day yeah. and, I, and I pull my tie off, that that's low profile or covert. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, more of an, it's more of an action uh, and a mindset and a way of performing versus just what you're wearing, right? What you're wearing is, is part of it, but, you know, you got to kind of act the part as well. Yeah, and be comfortable enough to be like not security dude. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know? right. Because because as security people, we're, we're, it's that big C word, right? Control, mm. right? We're control mm. freaks, right? Yeah, you know, like yeah. you just want to you want to choke the crap out of everything because you control, control where everyone's going, right? like who's in the space, you know? Exactly. How right? close and, can I get? You know, yeah. and that becomes challenging, right? That becomes challenging, <laughs> you know. So yeah, man, you, you really have to. You have to get away. I mean, because the, the control levels you have are what physical control, right? Arms reach, mm -hmm. you know, visual. I see where you are. Right. Audit, auditory. I can call you, you know, yell at you or give you commands and then technical mm. in covert. You got to give up that physical piece at times, right? Mm -hmm. You got to be comfortable and just, it's a lot of like reading your surroundings, understanding where you are, how do I fit in all those things. So I think we do a really good job at preparing folks for that and, and helping yeah. them work within that. Yeah, man. Awesome. I've been doing some deals with Aaron. Hopefully I can join you guys for one of your courses this next year and bang out a review and some things like that, man. I've been trying to get to that course for a year. I just been slamming. It's about a week long. Yeah. You kind of uh, been pushing your own stuff. Kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Kind of man. Heck yeah. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah. Um, with regards to executive protection, agents in the industry um and like looking at their own training pipelines you know some companies put their guys through pipelines and keep guys current on various skills but what would you suggest guys look at in terms of um i don't know maintaining skill sets getting better what types of courses should they look at over the course of say a two-year pipeline to just stay in the game and stay good at the game okay good that's a that's a pretty good question <clears throat> um good. There, there's always this uh there's always this balance of like, is, is, is it three days of training for EP? Is it seven? Is it nine? Is it 11? Is it 13.5? You know, is it, what does 10 weeks give you? Um, right. And I think there, there's really no uh, level of education that you could, you could attain. I mean, that, that's the thing is it's a continuing evolving um, uh, profession, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so oftentimes, you know, we learn things that we forgot. We learn, you know, and, and of course we got those two tracks, right? Hard skills and soft skills, which is, you know, for those of us who are old enough, you know, less filling and taste great, right? Those, those old Bud Light commercials, look, you're not, you're not, you're confused. So hard skills, essentially shoot, move, uh, communicate, medicate, um, and mobility, right? So if you do those five, those are your hard skills. Driving, you know, I, you know, at least every two years, that's probably driving is probably one of the biggest investments people can make after they learn their, their executive protection uh, skills, whatever they do. Right. Cause 
look at it. We're behind the wheel. Most everything that we do, you can use that every day and it makes you a better driver. Um, the shooting piece, like all those hard skills you should come ingrained in you. Learn how to do executive protection, learn, learn different ways to do things, learn the arts of advance, super helpful, right? right. Because that, that's, uh, that's what one of the three pillars of success in, in executive protection, which would be um, the advance, your planning, and your arrivals and departures, right? Those are the three pillars of success. You can do everything else, but if you don't do that, we, we miss a boat, you know? Gonna, yeah, it's gonna be a problem eventually. Then beyond that, you look at the soft skills, right? And I think a lot of times we think of soft skills as only, you know, how do I communicate with somebody or how do I show empathy or emotional intelligence, right? But our other soft skills, I would consider advanced, right? Advanced is your soft skill. Threat, yeah. threat, uh, threat assessment and threat management, those are soft skills. You know, those are the things that are going to set you apart from your peers who are just like, yeah, bro, I got it. You know, I'm a driver. Yeah, bro, I got it. I'm a this, you know, learn how to do a risk assessment. Learn what that looks like. Learn you know, to identify risks, identify threats, human behavior, all those things. First two years, that'll be, you'll be trained in those things, right? You won't be proficient. You'll just be trained, but we continue to develop those skills. And over time, like yourself, you'll be able to teach people how to do those things. You know, yeah. uh, people say one of the best uh, ways to learn to do something is to teach it. I mean, you know, teach your family, teach your friends, teach people, you know, how you do what you do. Uh, even in small chunks, and that'll make you a better a better protector. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that yeah. that kind of crosses over into that more than just a job. It's a lifestyle. It requires a lifestyle thing. Is I think one of the major things we should be doing as protectors is creating assets out of everyone we're around. You know, I've had multiple times, especially recently, but just in general, when you know I'm leaving the house for an op, and I'm like, all right, time to leave the women and children at home. I hope you've invested in them so they can protect themselves while you go protect some other people, bro. You know what right, I mean? Right. Don't fail, you know, at right. that, you know, your first well, enterprise, you know. And, and a lot of protectors, and I think myself included, uh, sometimes we, we think it of as like, well, I'm good. I, I'm here. So you're safe. good. We're good. Everybody's safe, yeah. right? And I think yeah. sometimes we have to, you know, step back and actually do, assess our own um, skills, our own security, you know, do a personal, you know, risk and vulnerability uh, threat assessment and say, okay, yeah. great. Where am I lacking at my home? Where am I lacking at my, my, uh, you know, in my surroundings? And, and just like you said, yeah, if it's just you, then, you know, it is a lifestyle, right? What does that look like? How do you, how do you live that life and then continue to develop yourself as a professional? Instead of just, you know, hey, going to the range, that, that's only one piece of it, right? A very, very, very tiny, tiny piece of it. Tiny piece. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's fun. It's cathartic, <laughs> it's cool. yeah, you know, yeah. but. Uh, it, advances are not sexy, right? Yeah. No, you know? no, no. Learning cybersecurity, maybe, maybe not sexy, right? Hey, hey, if I'm right. cyber, cybersecuritying today, guys, you know, <laughs> FYI, kind of hard to, to show you. Uh, I guess you could put a long gun over your back and then you're in front of a keyboard, right? I mean, right, I right, guess right, you could right, do right, that. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be a cool picture eating some bacon while you're on the, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, that's good stuff, man. And the mecca of executive protection out there in Silicon Valley, man, I know you're moving around out there, moving and shaking and doing some big things uh, out there as well. What would you say about that environment? You know, if you were going to give guys keys for survival, out there. Oh, okay. What would you say about that, man? Like 101. So I would say 
First off, I, I would not necessarily call it the Mecca. Okay. I would call it, it is, a, it is definitely a concentrated environment and it's definitely different. Okay. Uh, be, just because of the high concentration of uh, high net worth individuals. And it's definitely a different, very different uh, lifestyle and area. And it, and it could be challenging for folks to, to fit in. Yeah, right? I've so, seen guys go out there, great dudes go out there and come right back and be like, not it, not doing it. The right. culture, I'm not down with it. Like right. I'll make less money out here and just be fine. That's fine. And that's, <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing. And, and if you could teach anybody anything, it would be, and I know it's hard, right? Because they pay right. a crap ton of money, right? Mm -hmm. But it's based on the area, right? Indeed. So you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm making 200 grand a year, but my rent cost me five grand a month. So what are you making then? You know, because that's a that's 60 grand a year in rent, right? Or, or, or a house payment. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the biggest thing we say is that, and this is hard for, for new protectors, yeah, is man. you are hiring, they're screening you for the role, but you're screening them for the role as well, right? Mm -hmm. Is this an environment that I can work within? Is right, this, man. can I work with this person? Can I work with these people? Does, is this the type of protection that I want to provide? Mm -hmm. You have to, you know, when everybody's like, oh, we're looking at you from a good fit, blah, blah, blah. You're doing the exact same thing for the organization. And yes. one of the most powerful things that you can do is understand, know yourself, mm -hmm. know what environment that is going to be, that you're going to be successful in. And then it takes a lot. Of, it takes a lot when people drop all those zeros and stock <clears> in front <throat> of you. But if don't set yourself up to fail by trying to fit in, uh, you know, you're a square peg or you're a, you're a round peg into a square hole because mm. it will, it, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's good advice. And it takes balls, man. I, I appreciate that. I mean, it's something that now at this place in my career, I'm definitely doing way more, you know, when I interact with a client or any opportunity, it's like, yo, yo is this a bed I can sleep in? You know, like, can I make this right. bed in a way that I'm like, going to actually be able to sleep in it and do my best here and thrive here. You yeah. know, uh, what's the culture like here, man? It's, it's, those things are big and money legitimately will not, unless you have kind of, you're like on the spectrum for psychopathy, pretty good. Like money won't really sustain you long-term. It is those, those other intangibles we're talking about, like it start won't. eating away. At, I've seen some good dudes, man, dudes I love and work with all the time, that, but I've seen them get paid and have the job everyone goes for and get brought in house. And they're like, nah, <laughs> right? And, you yeah. know, because of the things we're talking about. It's yeah. Wisdom. And you, and, and you look at them and you go, why would you walk away from that? Right, right. And they go, dude, it's, nope, not, not my gig, dude, <laughs> not my gig. So, so, yeah. so again, and, and I think that doesn't just, that, that is not just Silicon Valley, right? That's, right. that's, that's advice for anywhere, right? Mm. You have to make the choice. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to put, I think, as you said, bacon on the table, right? Yeah, man. But once you get to a position and it's super empowering, right? If you don't have to take the role, you will, you will sleep a thousand times better by going, yep, I, I really appreciate it, but not a good fit. So it's, it's important yeah. to understand that the interview is two way, not just one way. Yeah, that's huge, man. That's something I teach in my course as well. Yeah, that's it's, important. It'll make all the difference long term, you know. That's gold. That's gold. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Anything you've learned from this whole COVID-19 pandemic environment? You know, what have you seen oh. in the industry? Uh, just hard left here while it's on my mind, you know, like what were, what are your takeaways from this whole thing? Uh, I, I think the biggest thing is it, it doesn't matter what you have done 
the biggest thing that COVID told us or taught us is that mm -hmm. if your EP program is only uh, around travel, you're you're probably not doing it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because if you, if you, it's a major vulnerability. Right. If you look at if you look at what executive protection provides to an organization mm -hmm. or your client, travel should only be a small portion of that. Right. right. Exactly. Now it's the most visible portion, i.e. like my iceberg back there, right? It's mm -hmm. the most visible portion, but your program should be supported on multiple other levels, right? So that you're providing value to the organization other than just being seen as the guy that stands next to the principal, right? Yeah. What, some executive because, Hey, we're not traveling. Oh, I guess we don't need our EP need team. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on a second. They do a lot more, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to, to kind of, what do they say? Uh, shut that barn door uh, before the horse gets out, right? I mean, hey, yeah. you're gone. So I think if there's one thing that has taught us is to is to two things. If it's one thing it's taught us, it's two things, right? That's pretty funny. Right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> I got your back, man. That's two things. Two, <laughs> two things. Two things. And one thing is to is to is to sell. You know, obviously, it just can't be about travel, right? Number right. one. And then number two, we have to continue to educate the client on what exactly we bring to the table, mm -hmm. right? Because uh, that value it becomes somewhat invaluable once they understand that that's the case. But, but, but we haven't done that. And so we have all these protectors that are kind of sitting on the sidelines going, hey, I can't wait to get back to travel. And I think, um, and a portion of that, that's just going to happen, right? That's just the way it is. But, but there are some folks who have been like, hey, no, they, they bring a lot more to the table than just travel. And then you get repurposed. Right. So give value on multiple levels because it'll insulate you from any type of fallout that takes place in any one quadrant of how you're serving your client. Correct. Um, Correct. And then, and you know, and you have to be able to share what that value is to, to, the, to the client so they understand it. And, and you got to do that. Yeah. You got to do that, you know, before they're like, hey, uh, by the way, layoffs are on Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an ongoing operational, like a deliverable that you have to be, right. you have to be ahead of the game on that thing. You can't, you can't, you either proved it already or you haven't proved it in time. And what happens happens at that point. Right. So that's an ongoing, uh, that's an ongoing thing. That's a, I hope y'all heard that. That last point right there is huge, man. That is, that is huge. That's good stuff. And I've seen that play out on a number of the details I'm involved in mm -hmm. um, and areas where that is the case. The clients, you know, want more, have wanted more coverage during this time. Um, and right. in the areas where that wasn't the case, everything's sleep. This is just now starting to wake up. Right. So uh, that's great advice. That's good stuff. I'm glad we asked that question. Advice to guys wanting to come into executive protection from uh, more militaristic or hardcore jobs and things like that. Well, number one, it's a protective role. So if you need to kick doors, probably not this place for you, right, Terry? And come here, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because you have to be ready for it, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's not that. Um, there's the same level of camaraderie, but you've got to shift gears to what the corporate space is doing, not the other way around. So I would say, regardless of how long you've been in, your, your job, your role, your function is to bring the value that you have and, and and i and you know being a veteran myself and and having seen both sides a lot of people have value the thing with veterans what they bring is usually at a young age they've had some level of leadership uh, they've had 
vetted leadership training. They understand a lot of skills. They understand logistics. They understand uh, administration at times, right? They understand accountability for people and equipment. All those are valuable in the corporate space. So you have to take uh, accountability of your skills, not your, hey, I hit 48 doors or a day in, in this place, right? Which is awesome but yeah. doesn't really apply to corporate. Translate, yeah. <laughs> right. so, so how do you translate the skills you do have to the corporate space, right? And take that inventory uh, as you come in. The next thing is bring your experience to the situation. Don't try to, to, to make your, uh, your experience or make the situation fit into your experience, right? So uh, it's not the military. So you should bring the skills that you need and bring it to the situation. Don't try to make the situation fit into your experience where everything's a nail or everything's a hammer or everything. And we find that with law enforcement too, right? It's like, hey, yeah. I'm gonna, I've been institutionalized, so I'm gonna create it like it was, not like what it should be. And I think right. if you look at those two things um, and don't have the expectation that it's going to be like it was, I think that can better prepare people for, to be successful in that space. Heck yeah. No, and that's, that's one of the things I see a lot of dudes that I would like right now go kick doors in with, but they have trouble transitioning uh, because they're just still like almost wanted to be like the good old days or they're comparing everything to like, well, this isn't, you know, cool or honorable because it doesn't resemble, you know, what I come from, you know, that's right. like, dude, you got to be able to gain that cultural equity here. So you got to be able to value the culture here. You got to be able to, mm -hmm um assimilate to a certain point you know right. if you you know and if it's totally countercultural to you then you need to be able to sell it or <laughs> sell that you know sell that right. you're part of it or you need to move well a lot of times we 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 tend to equate you know what we did and that's like the coolest thing that we've done so far yeah. don't let my thought process would be that that's a fantastic chapter but you right. still have other Chap chapters to write so and they, they're all going to be different and you can fall mm -hmm. back on that one but four chapters later after you've been out of the out of the military right. you still shouldn't be referring to yourself when somebody asks you hey what do you do well i'm a marine okay well not not, not like for 10 years bro like what's up <laughs> you know? yeah like like, like be yeah. comfortable be comfortable with what where you are now because that's what you do you know uh, I'm a protector, right? I'm a protector. I'm a, you know, if, if beer, I'm a, I'm a Googler, I'm a, I'm a, yeah. a, a GDBA or whatever. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, uh -oh. th that's impactful is trying to change, <laughs> shift gears, right. As you shift gears, it could be, it could be challenging to do so because a lot of things that, that you get to do in the military are super cool. Yeah. Heck yeah. No, hundred percent. And it can be intimidating to try to do better now, you know, that, that burden of freedom is like, okay, well, geez, what am I going to do? You know, how do yeah. I do something better? You know? Yeah. I like the way you put that, the burden of freedom. That's oh, yeah, uh, man. yeah. Cause you don't, you don't really know how to be, you know, free, you know? Yeah. It's I'm with it. It comes from Victor Frankel, man. He's my favorite psychotherapist. He's my favorite psychotherapist. Basically he founded a discipline called logotherapy, which is purpose driven therapy. Okay. He survives Auschwitz and all that great stuff. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> great it, stuff. Yeah, right. And it really crystallized this whole 
psychotherapeutic discipline of Mm -hmm. finding meaning and purpose in everything that brings you power, right? And he talks Mm -hmm. about having a statue of responsibility on the other side, on the, on the, on the West coast to balance out the statue of Liberty because uh, Liberty without responsibility always leads to death Hmm. uh, because we must learn how to take responsibility for actions. And there's weight that comes with that. And I think that weight and this, I talk about this in my book, finding meaning after the military, which has a lot to do with that Mm -hmm. mindset. Um, I think that's what ultimately does kill a lot of veterans. And, um, and uh, it's it's one of the things that's plaguing our society in a lot of levels is that lack of meaning purpose. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got to find that next level of purpose. I think that impacts a lot of people is, you know, the camaraderie piece is one thing, but that mission is another, right. Where you, one day you're doing things that that people, people, (laughs) people brief the president on and you can't translate that into anything. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. That's a cool story. But what, how do we translate that? What you do now? And I think a lot of folks struggle with that. And I'd also uh, like to say your, uh, pursuit of education, which is awesome, right? Where we can talk about things other than executive protection, right? So it yeah. is a lifestyle, but you have to look at what happens outside that lifestyle. How can I, and part of that should be continuing education, you know, yes. on something that isn't, you know, hard skills is, right. you know, something different. Like your, 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 your passion almost, I think your, your education, but your passion also is psychology, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, man. I mean, you know, Renaissance man, there it is. <laughs> no, thank you, man. That's big because, and then something on that too, I think people could val- uh, find some value in is the more you contribute and invest in yourself, the more you'll be able to uh, contribute to just your client's experience with you, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. and their ability to respect you on multiple levels as a human, mm-hmm. you know, their ability to real to, to believe they have a competent, intelligent valuable person because you'll have that internal equity because you've been investing in yourself so if you do have to open your mouth you can make connections one of the you know rubrics for intelligence is making connections over a larger expanse of things to be able to make connections over a larger expanse of things your perspective is elevated as you continue investing in yourself on all these different topics mm-hmm. um and Not- so you bring a lot more value i think to the job i would say i would say that would be the same as your client or for your client, right? Their perspective, right. you're, you're, you're elevating their perspective of you because mm-hmm. what, when people think, oh yeah, I know about executive protection, no problem. Yeah. I know exactly what it is. Right. Well, they, they're just referring to when you go to Google and put in executive protection <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and click images and there's that guy right there standing there by the plane or the boat or the car or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, usually smoke, as, that's usually as far as their, their knowledge goes, right? Oh yeah, you're the guy that stands next to to that, that the lady, or you're the lady that stands next to that, to that guy. Right. Once you start to have, you know, uh, intelligent conversations with people, they start to see you as more than just mm-hmm. the person standing next to them or the person that, that watches their children. And that there's a lot of value in that. hundred percent. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. Heck yeah. Trait. I, what kind of trait would you say, or specific traits would you say you see in guys and gals that go really far in the executive protection industry i would say the first one would be adaptability Mm. that that's that's probably the biggest thing because it obviously that includes you know intelligence um but adaptability is probably the biggest trait that people need in the industry so that you can go from 
uh, the, the Silicon Valley area, and then you can go work in New York, right? Which are two opposite spectrums, right? Yeah, uh, then you can, go, you can go to Africa, and then you can go, you know, you can go to, to South America and be able to understand cultures. You can understand um, people. You can understand human behavior in each of those areas. And it's not one size fits all for you. I think adaptability and then uh, uh, empathy, emotional intelligence, those would be the, the keys. But adaptability, if, if you're able to adapt, you, you usually have all of those other, other attributes that can support you. What, what about sub-second draw? Um, convoy ops, what, what, martial arts, hand to hand, what are you know what I'm saying? Well, uh, all of those are super important, right? But, but the key part of that question was the folks who are going to go far in the industry, right? Yeah, 100%. The, the part is, is that you're like, hey, like, like for example, uh, so I was talking to somebody else. He's like, hey, man, I don't do technical stuff. And I go, well, look, I just asked you to connect the, I, I just asked you to connect the HDMI cable to the laptop. That's not technical, you know? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just a body guy, bro. I don't do that. Well, you know, that's not going to last very long, right? So, <laughs> like, yeah, you, you have to be adaptable. And, and one of the things that we've always said at Conversations Close Protection is mm-hmm. all those hard skills. Yeah. We shouldn't talk about those because the expectation is you should come with those, yeah. right? So your client thinks that you're John Wick. You don't have to freaking run around and tell them that you are. Right. You should tell them that you're way more faceted than that by your right. actions, right? So, right. you know, the sub-second draw, it's cool. Last time I, I heard about a guy, <laughs> uh, an EP guy in a gunfight was, you know, yeah. almost never. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a long time ago, but... Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's the wisdom of it, man. And having all those other things is what you're going to use to demonstrate value every single day with your client. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have the, the empathy, the emotional intelligence, you want to protect somebody, you want to roll with somebody in real time at the speed of life, the speed of their life, mm-hmm. like adaptability is 100% one of the highest skill sets. It's the, everything changes your day to day after you listen to this podcast is probably not going to go the way you think it is. You know, what I mean? like, like, you know exactly. we got our goals. We got the stuff we, the targets we want to hit today, but we'll see what happens. You know? Yeah. That's so, why your to-do list never gets, never gets shorter. Never gets to done, man. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, that's real stuff. And when the client wants you to go to that one place they went to last week on the way home, it's not on your plan. You just got to be able to roll with it, make it look easy and uh you know flow man flow yep. and, that, and that's we we see from a lot of newer practitioners is that they get upset yeah. when they do in advance and then and then you don't go there i don't Wait, <laughs> let me ask you, let me ask did you get paid for that well yeah right? so why are you upset about it you know? exactly well the client didn't follow the route that we said that they're gonna that they said that they were gonna take okay and <laughs> you still get you know i'm the i'm on the exact same way man that's good Yep. You're still going to get paid. We still got jobs. We're still good. Are you cold? Right. You wet? Have you gotten to eat? All right, yeah. cool. Let's yeah. Let's do this, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's good to go. Biggest lesson you've learned in the field. We're getting to our closing questions here. Biggest lesson that I've learned is that while you can be competent, you still have to network and you still have to, you can't just focus on your job and just do this and be, Hey, people will learn from a meritocracy that I'm really good at what I do. Uh, that doesn't work. You have to connect with other people. You have to, you have to be a human. You have to be human. Um, you can't just like, just nose to the grindstone. I'm just going to do my thing. Uh, it'll take care of itself because it won't. And Mm -hmm. you have to, 
you know, what, what, what do you say? All, all ships rise or, or rise whatever it is, right? all ships at sea. Or, or it takes a village, right? Essentially, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you, you can't be the lone ranger running around trying to do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to connect with other people and, and that's a way to success, but it's also a way for people to understand that, you know, how you look, it helps them not judge the, the, the book by the mm-hmm. cover, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that humanization of the protector is extremely important, you know, uh, in trying to get your job done. Man, that's so good. That's one of the major things, humanization of the protector i think that might be the cover for this one trademark uh, copyright bubble yeah, yeah. just kidding <laughs> right and I'm not, I'm, chris story 2020 <laughs> uh but uh yeah man no that's big it's one of the major things i teach in my course too you know is how to widen the sphere of relationships that are gonna that's going to feed uh your success over the course of your career mm-hmm. you know always selling security always marketing always making connections with folks that will help you have a successful career it's an right. ongoing thing also people that you can help be successful as well because it goes both yes. ways right oh, i mean reciprocal man right yeah. absolutely absolutely i'd say one of the most valuable things you can do is help the right person get in the right position and get the right people to the right spots and help mm-hmm. people on their in their careers yeah it but let me ask you this fortifies. yeah how do you know that you're helping the right person like do i look for the right person to help i i or can I just help? Can I just help everybody? Um, you know, that's a good question. I try to invest in everybody, and I look for character traits that help me identify people that I can plug into the right positions or expose to opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how how my world works, man. You know, like in terms of me putting my name on people, there's actually a pretty small little group, but like in terms of the people that like I can. You know, it's a small group that I'll put my name on, but I'm always trying to find those people with good character in my environment to push forward because it's what you said is so is so 100% accurate. The more people you can push forward, it it like fortifies your career and it it helps, you know, your trajectory. I found Mm -hmm. that so many times. Yeah, but then you're, you're absolutely right. Like there is a difference in, hey, Here's a couple of resumes for you to look at. Mm-hmm. However, the third one, I know the guy, blah, blah, blah. Character. You know, like you're going to, you're going to put your name on him. Right. Right. And, and, and you know, the deal, right. If you say, you ask me, Hey, Hey, are you putting your name on any of these guys? You're like, no, 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 no. Disclaimers. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> like, helping them all. Right. Cause you own yeah. them. Right. You put your yeah, name on them. You man. own them. Right. I own them. Yeah, man. You own your, their successes and, and their mistakes as well. Right. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. No, that's funny. Cause you'll have guys you're like, yo, this is a good, this is, this is a good dude. I can vouch for him. And then you'll have guys that like these guys, this guys, these guys look really good, but I don't know them like that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> Disclaimer friends, man. Yeah. I, I don't know who I was talking with the other day, but they're like, they're like uh, the difference between a good dude and a good guy. For me, there's a difference. Yeah, there a is a guy. difference, he's man. A good guy. But you, yeah. say some, you say somebody's like a good friend dude. Zone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You say good dude. That's you putting your name on the dude right there. You're like, uh-huh. oh, he's a good dude. Oh, yeah. So-and-so says you're a good dude. All right, you're in. Hey, he's yeah. a good guy. Oh, he's a good guy. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's real, man. That's real right. as heck. Right. I right. even felt that when you said it. Like, oh, no, he's a good guy. Okay, he's a good guy. It's like friend zone. This is a good dude. <laughs> this dude is like, yeah, I can put my name on him. That's exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Man. Uh, proudest moment in over the course of your career? Oh, that's a good one. 
Um, I think for me, what, what gives me the most pride is watching the transition in people that I've either worked with or trained or whatever, and then seeing their successes for, for, for whatever, whatever that, that is. Cause, cause I don't own that. That's on them, right? We give right. them the tools to, to be successful, right? But as we watch them take whatever tools you, you give them and on their own, they execute accordingly and they, and they find it in, in great spaces. To me, that, that gives me the most, uh, I think, personal and, and professional uh, satisfaction is to watch that, that growth. I, I really enjoy that. Heck yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. I, that's, that's, it's like the ultimate kind of validation in some ways for the things that we're trying to contribute to people and things like that, mm -hmm. the tools that we're as educators trying to contribute to folks, man. It's like, yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's good to go. Yeah. What would you say about the industry and the direction we're going? Is there anything you see coming up in the future that you'd want to say, or that guys should be aware of, or just predictions? Yeah. So I think by having been an instructor for quite some time, um, oftentimes I get cynical about the industry. And I would say that um, this year has shown that has proven me to be wrong, at least in cynicism. And I haven't been really cynical this year, which is kind of helpful, but because I've just seen like, you know, I'm, I'm usually, I tell people like, no, I can do this. I can do that. They drop the resume in the first five minutes, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, cool. That's all cool in the gang, man. Just, just show me and we're cool. Right. 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 You know, I, I, I treat myself as if I'm from Missouri, right? <laughs> just show me. Just show, just me, show me, man. Just show, show me state. state. Yep. 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 So having said that, I think, I think with COVID impact, you know, the industry has been kicked in the shins by a lot of people having to sit on the sidelines. And we saw a lot of people mm -hmm. go after, you know, everybody got FEMA certs, you know, I think April, May, like people were looking at online education and free education. I would say the direction we're heading is we need to be aware of cybersecurity. We need to focus on holistic, the holistic approach to security, not just the body. Right. Exactly. Hey, I'm just a body guy. No, you need to be able to, to, to translate risk. You need to be able to speak in business terms. You need to be able to understand risk from a cybersecurity perspective. Uh, and you need to understand, you know, risk globally and use tools to do so, not just go, well, I feel like this is what's going to happen. Right. Then they Google some stuff. Exactly. <laughs> and and it, that, that might have worked uh, prior to, but it, it's not going to work before. I mean, it's not going to work after. The next piece is, is that because of COVID, COVID is a new risk and a vulnerability. So whatever your personal political beliefs are, we have to address that risk accordingly, right? right. To be able to reduce that risk to, to ourselves and our clients. Because if we bring risk to the client, then we're, we're not effective. Right. Man, that's good stuff. I dig it. It's definitely time for like the evolution of a more holistic security practitioner, 100%, mm -hmm. especially with this digital realm becoming what it is, you know hanging out inside your client's back pocket is a whole bunch of vulnerability, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. and their behavior is going to probably have increased risks <laughs> here and there. Cause no, I agree. you know, I and that's agree. just the game. That's the game we got to play now. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I would, I would also say uh, take ownership of your role, right? We, mm -hmm. we, we work in a very interesting industry in that aside from childcare and uh, usually like maybe pet care, Nobody really tells you what to do or how to do your job other than in executive protection, right? So that can tend to be like, if you're a plumber, somebody comes over, Hey, I, I need you to, you know, I need you to, uh, you know, 
unclog plump a toilet or re, re, re pipe, you know, run a pipe, plump some stuff. You know what I'm yeah, saying? You need to plumb, right? It's a, <laughs> it's a right? verb, right? Yeah. You're not going to be like, Hey, I need you to do these five things. You're going to say, okay, awesome. And you're going to bang the out. There yeah. it is. Hey, there you go. Have a great day. Right. You know, when you're, when your principal turns to, to the HR person, they just say, Hey, here, what do we have? What do we need? And then they get, then they get the advice. Same thing with finance, same thing with operations, right? But when it comes to protection, either your principal or people around your principal tell you how to do something, right? Mm -hmm. And we need to transition from, from, from that, which usually tends to get us to, if we can ask, can we do permission, have permission to do our job? Like we talked about at the beginning of the show, professionalizing will have them asking us versus Hey, here's your, here, here are your constraints always right in the role. And we need to elevate ourselves through education, through holistic, holistic security approaches, through being professional instead of just, yeah, you're the guy that stands there. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's the next level protector. Yeah. hundred percent. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. Getting away from the mother may I attitude. Yep. Yeah. Right. Do you mind Ooh. if I, Hey, do your job. I pay yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Do your Can job. I, uh... <laughs> yeah. What, uh, who would you nominate, man? Who do you think I should talk to next on the show? Oh man, there's a lot of people. Um, right. I mean, there's so many people who are doing great things uh, in the industry. It is really, it's really, it's really hard to come up with. Uh, you threw me with that one. Let me see. Right, I'm gonna get Chuck. Right. Yeah, point. I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, Chuck. I mean, I mean, I mean, right, Chuck's right. Chuck's doing great things because he's uh, he's he's just had so much experience, right? And he's and he's he's led, you know, one of the largest teams you know, and, and one of the oldest corporate teams in the nation. Mm -hmm. I would say, if you haven't done it, maybe grab somebody who just graduated from a course or just graduated and, and look at what their perspective is and what, what they think is important and then kind of have a, have a conversation about that. Because I think yeah. as, as senior practitioners, we tend to think that we know the way and we know mm -hmm. what's happening and, and we won't know that until somebody tells us. Yeah. And I think there's, been, there's a lot, I mean, two things there's a lot of value in that for both parties. And then I think that we get surprised at how smart uh, people are. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'd like to hear from? And I think I, I don't want to disappoint anybody. Devin Tate. Huh. I'd like, I'd like to. I'd like Devin to Tate. Devin yeah. Tate. Yeah, yeah. I got connection with him. I can, that, him for sure. I, I, I want to know because, because he stood up at the conference yeah. and was like, Hey, I want to do this. And I want to do that. He was He's hungry. hungry. He was hungry. hungry right. So, mm -hmm. and I know he's been doing a lot of things and I, yeah. I think it'd be cool to hear, hear from him and his, hear, hear his perspective. Awesome. Yeah. He's busy. He's got like a whole uh, junior protector thing going. And then he had yeah. like uh he's doing self-defense stuff as well. He's got a martial. I've worked with him a couple of times out here. Did you? Yeah, yeah. man. Good yeah. guy. You know, he's working hard. He's trying to create something and he's not accepting any limitations, which I value. Really? So heck That's yeah, good. man. Yeah. Good That's good. Dude. And then uh, I know you've talked to him already, but, but again, one of the guys we wanted to talk to about was, uh, was uh, James Hamilton again, um, yes. just his focus on, you know, being comfortable with, with violence, right. That comes yeah. back to the, those, those base skills that, that we, that we focus on is, you know, and we just go, yeah, it's going to, that's, that's just part of the role. How do we do that? What does that look right. like? Right. And I, and I thought that was uh, awesome with him. hundred percent. No, that's, that's like, 
don't know. That's one of the things that I keep hearing that keeps on popping up is the whole, you know, a lot of these trainers that I'm talking with, I'm like, what's the biggest issue with training? Biggest thing you guys uh, have trouble working around people when it comes to training or keeping them, you know, into it. They're like, people have an aversion to violence naturally and they have an aversion to, they just have an aversion to it. Well, we have to study it, not because we get off on it, but because we need to understand it so we can deal with it effectively. So, you know, people might come and see something and then they just run back into their hole after the training op. And, right. you know, they're like, well, I went to the class, you know, it's like, no, you, you kind of need to get inoculated to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's why I post what I post is there's just like these real world combative engagements and like kind of microdose people with trauma that helps their brain accept the reality. They're like, nah, sitting in your car without locking the door is a bad move. Right. You know, and uh, going ahead, like with this hard skills intensive, you know, we put two dudes in a, in a, in a really enclosed space and make them fight each other for a gun. And mm-hmm. it was just really interesting watching people's reactions to, you know, knowing and, and, you know, knowing that violence was coming, I'm going to get right. into a fight right now. <laughs> Did um, you guys use uh, any uh, heart rate monitors or anything? Man, we should have, man. No, we just, we, we had some simunitions and the right helmets and some MMA gloves and, right. Um, you know, that'd be interesting perspective though. Right. So like, yeah. you, you don't, you, you put heart monitors on everybody yeah. and then you, then you choose two people and put them in the car and then you watch what everybody else's heart rates do as they, as they go into it. Right. Yeah. And, and likely the person with the lowest heart rate is the one that you need to be really scared of. Yep. <laughs> that's like, the guy. Oh, like is that what we're doing? All right. Let's do it. And yeah. 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 It's a slow <laughs> Tuesday, you know, yeah. that's yeah. the guy, man. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's awesome. Uh, and that's the guy that's inoculated. That's the guy we need to be. Mm-hmm. That's the guy that's going to be able to make good decisions. Probably. Right. Right. And then, you know, man, I really don't remember who it was, but I think we've talked about it a couple of times with some of the guesses. The most important thing of that, and I know, I know Craig Douglas talks about this too, is yeah. don't, don't be in that situation, right? This is to, yeah. to get us through and test us if we happen to find ourselves in that situation. But like you exactly. said, lock your doors. Don't be in that situation, right? Yeah. Make sure that you're not in that situation, (laughs) you know, that you don't have to worry about it. And that's, that's the important piece too, is not being in this situation and and watching everything unfold to go, Mm -hmm. uh Oh, time to go before that, before you find yourself in a, in a shit sandwich situation. Yep. hundred percent. That's, I mean, that's 90% of what we should be doing as protectors. Yep. That evasion is where it's at. Mm -hmm. Um, Habit. Well, favorite quote, mantra. Oh, yeah. They always go leave your brain the second yeah, I man. ask this question. No, no. Uh, <laughs> I think I think the one as of late is um, why put off uh, why put off to tomorrow what you can do today. Okay. Right. And I think as we as we try to be you know try to fill our space, fill our time, that's really for me. That's really what what I have tried to focus on because it, it it hits on all for me it hits on all fronts. Right. Work, family, uh, time, effort right? Like if you, you know, it talks about being present as well, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It helps you prioritize. And, you know, I, I used to be the guy that was running around like this on my phone and uh-huh, uh-huh with kids and family and uh-huh, uh-huh and, and always yeah. focus on something else. You know, it, it does, if you spend quality time on, on things, it can help you really help you impact people um, that are important and uh, you know, right, wrong, or different. You're your job is important at times, but your family is, is important. And what you do with them, you impact them all the time. So 
ignoring them can be an impact as well, right? For, for the job. So one's more important than the other. Just helps yeah, you man. prioritize. No, I, I couldn't agree more, man. I've, I've, the feedback I've gotten from my wife is just a lot of like, when you're here, you're here with us. Yeah. And that makes the time more valuable, even though there's not a lot of it. It's just, they notice if you're present or not. Mm -hmm. And that I think makes that time well spent, you know, cause I have also had those times where I was like, I just spent like all day with you guys yesterday. Like, what are you talking about? Right. Like, yeah, but you were like everywhere doing, you know what I mean? Like you right. weren't really here. Right. You know, and I'm like, okay. okay. Yeah. So you gotta I, be present. Yeah. And you don't want to miss things when they're gone. Cause you weren't paying attention while you had them. Right. Everything's going to leave at some point, man. So right. <laughs> yeah. Good guys. And, and, and usually the work will still be there. Yeah. Forever. Like, yeah. Right. All right. Good to go, man. How would you last couple questions, man? How would you like to be remembered, Chris? Oh, that's that. So that's yeah. a really, that's a really good question. Um, Cause a lot of times we think that we have impact, right. Yeah. And, and we do, or we don't, or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. yeah. I guess I would like to be remembered as, as, as a contributor uh, had great, great impact. And, in some way shape or form you know a good human yeah you know heck yeah that's, that's it i'm the same way with the contribution one man that's big for me yeah well i think so that, that becomes important to me because we often celebrate people's lives after they're gone right which right. which is really more about us than them so i think celebrating people while they're alive Mm -hmm. becomes way more important because like we talked about that, that being present piece, we always have excuses of when not to get together or when not to, you know, is a soft, if you knew that today was the last day that you would be able to connect with somebody, would you change your schedule? Right. Yeah. And a lot of people say yes, but you know, a soccer game, you know, getting to do something low level or whatever usually is an excuse for us to not to connect. Right. Uh, pre COVID if we do that over and over and over, suddenly life passes us by and then we go, Oh man, I really wish I would have just taken, you know, just some time to connect with that person or at least tell them how much I appreciated them or tell them what their impact on my life was. Yeah. And if we miss that, that's a, that, that's a trap to me, that's a tragedy. Right. So, yeah. so, you know, celebrating people while they're alive. I think that's, I'd like to be remembered that for that as well. Awesome, man. No, that's, that's, that goes right back into that presence, man, being present. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff yeah uh habit that makes you better that you think people should look at maybe implementing to, into their lives better person better protector uh so first off i would say fitness because it it uh it helps to reduce a lot of stress yes right? i mean it helps you in your role specifically uh but it also helps reduce stress right uh, that, yeah. that'd be number one and then number two i would say um kindness mm. which shouldn't be confused with niceness right okay okay because because if you're nice to somebody you may not really tell them what you what they really need to hear right mm -hmm. uh not what you need to tell them which is different right yeah <laughs> what you need to tell them it might be some that might be about you but what they need to hear is about them so being nice means at least from my perspective is that you're just kind of telling them oh, okay you're kind of blowing sunshine right just being nice yeah just being nice which but is like a precursor to like, can be a precursor to a fight. You know what I'm saying? If you're being nice, it's like almost like, it's like, it's like, you know, I'm just going to be nice to him, blah, 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 blah. It's like, there's no, 
deeper valuable emotion there right right it's just kind of like eh, you know i'm just gonna let let it go and and yeah. you could provide impact right which would like you said could lead to a fight if we don't tell people what they need to hear at times yeah they'll just continue down a path that you know either breaks you apart or you just kind you of just start ignoring them or it's very destructive exactly but yeah. if you're kind you can tell people in a way that um if they trust you mm. you know uh, it comes out in different ways. Like, again, I refer to uh, uh, Josh. He's like, I was like, I, we were talking about something. I said, I would hope that somebody would tell me that I'm messing up, you know? Yeah. And he goes, yeah, for me, it would go like, hey, you're effed up, fix yourself. And yeah, I would go, yeah. you know, but, but from he, us knowing each other and trusting each other, right. I would look at myself and go, cool, how do I need to fix that, right? Right. That's being kind. He's telling me where, where I have a deficiency, right? Right. If he was being nice, he'd be like, hey, man, great job. And then he'd be like, er, you're, you're an idiot and talk to other people and tell them how I was jacked up, right? That's being nice. Um, so it's how you, how, you, how you deliver the information becomes important, right? Right. Um, and, then, and then, of course, how the person perceives it as well. And initially, you know, a lot of people don't, people don't like to be told that they're maybe not meeting the mark. But if it makes mm -hmm. you better, you got to be able to look at the, at, the, at the message at times, you know? Yeah, and value it. Thank absolutely you. absolutely no that's good stuff man that's good stuff the difference between nice and kind man that's good stuff that's important. um heck yeah i haven't i've never really consciously made that distinction what are you up to these days and where can people find you brother wow okay so uh these days i'm planning right so you know did a lot of uh doing a lot of uh teaching uh, uh for naval advisors uh doing some consulting and uh teaching at esi which is awesome get us spend yeah. a lot of time with veterans and and uh, they've got a great platform out there. Right now, I'm doing a lot of uh, planning for next year. Uh, we're we're kind of doing some new things with the podcast. Going to start transitioning to video and nice. doing a lot of great things. So you can find us at uh, Protection Talk at Outlook.com. I haven't had to say that for a while because we had it we had it in the uh, built into the show. <laughs> built into the intro show. Intro, outro. Heck yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So Protection Talk at Outlook.com. I'm on LinkedIn at, at Chris Story. Uh, you can find me at Chris at Anomaly Management, uh, Chris at Enabled Advisements, uh, Chris Story at Enabled Environments. So pretty much anywhere that you can just plug my name in, uh, in all the platforms, uh, pretty easy to find. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much. This interview has been a, I knew it'd be, you know, great, but like, dude, your wealth of knowledge, man, I was able to just like shoot these questions at you and every single time it was like, wow. <laughs> it was like, like every response was very, chewy and meaty and had substance to it man so i this is a packed 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 conversation oh, good. that's I'm awesome glad. brother i blacked out for a second i know what i said I was like <laughs> leroy jenkins uh you know just do it live Leroy, right? <laughs> that's, that's right. what's up man i appreciate that's it. right yeah man well thanks so much once again thanks for everything you said about you know me and what we're what i'm trying to do here and yeah. um the encouragement and the support and all that stuff and um i'm glad we're connected brother looking forward to doing some cool things yeah, so same here. Future, same here. Thank you so much for having me. Honored to be a guest, Byron. You, you are sure. doing great things. And uh, thank you so much for including us. Awesome. I man. say us as, the, as our podcast, right? Chuck and I. <laughs> yeah, man. We'll get Chuck in here next. <laughs> and chop yeah. Him as well. Awesome. Awesome. Outstanding. All right, brother. Thanks for your time. We'll talk soon. Hey, thank you. Wow. All right, bye. Boom. Yo, if you're a private security professional wanting to take your game to the next level, go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to check out my personal success package for private security professionals. Check it out, executiveprotectiontrainingday.com. And remember, y'all, hard skills do save lives.
but soft skills get you paid. Boom. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place. Do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can because it makes all of these things possible. Thanks for those contributions. Yo, and before we go, you know I got a shout out to the sponsors, starting out with Primary Weapon Systems, PWS. They truly are the evolution of the rifle. Use Byron for 10% off. Grayman and Company, the most comfortable tactical suits in the game. Use Byron for 10% off with them. Ballistic Theory. You're going to start seeing a lot of stuff with me in Ballistic Theory because they got good ammo for good prices. Use Byron for my discount with those guys as well. Last but not least, Executive Protection Institute. Hey, go check them out and get your executive protection education on. Until the next podcast, this is Byron Rogers, protected by nature and by trade. Out. Boom.